I am Justin Boyd. Hi, my name is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y, Brittany, and we are the Watchers in the Basement. Good job with that, Brittany. I was wondering if you were going to do that. I thought I thought you <laughs> might because, uh, yep. you know, you're, you do know a little bit of ASL. Welcome to the Watchers in the Basement. We are here today to discuss the Marvel Cinematic Universe miniseries, Echo. But uh, before you get, uh, before I get Brittany's thoughts on the uh, the series, I'm going to hit you with some Echo facts. Let's get into it right now. Echo was the first Marvel Studios television release to debut on Hulu. It was also on Disney Plus, and is also the first to receive a TV MA rating, which we will talk about a lot. I would, I'm going to venture a guess. Um, it's part of Phase Five. It's the tenth TV series in the MCU. And it's the first also to appear under the Marvel Spotlight banner, which we will talk about that a little more in just a second. Release date was January 9th, 2024. They did a binge drop, also a first for the for, for the MCU. All five episodes dropped on January 9th on Hulu and Disney+. Plus. Um, and then let's get to the cast. The cast features Alakwa Cox, Chasky Spencer, Tantu Cardinal, Devery Jacobs, Zahn McLaren, Cody Lightning, Graham Greene, Darnell Besaw, Vincent D'Onofrio, and Charlie Cox. Brittany, what are your thoughts on Echo? I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I think, and we'll obviously talk about this a little bit more, but with the final, it, the final episode kind of felt maybe a little jarred mm-hmm. to some degree. I think it might have been just kind of rushed quickly put together sort of situation i do know that originally this show was going to be either six or more episodes but then because of writers uh because of uh some some things that happened behind the scenes it got cut down to five episodes so that might attribute as to why the final episode may not have been as good as it could have been but overall i actually really enjoyed this this series it it's a it was interesting to see more of Maya's background and then how she's having to kind of jump in, t- in between two worlds, if you will, because that is something that her father says in the show. So mm-hmm. overall, I, I really enjoyed it, um, considering that it did bring back one of my favorite characters in uh, Marvel. Well, now MCU, because everything that was previously Marvel uh, that was Netflix. So we're talking like Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, um, Iron Fist, uh, the Defenders even. All that's canon now. And a lot of that has to do with what was going on in this show. So I'm I'm actually really, um, really excited to see a more kind of like gritty show. Um, this is the first of being part of Marvel's Spotlight, which is more, you know, down to earth or ground. You can elaborate more on that, Justin. But uh, yeah. for what it was, the limited series that it was, I, I really enjoyed it. It was very interesting to get the b- background of a of a quote unquote hero, I guess you could say, um, with ties to uh, her Native American heritage, and so I, I, all of that was really fascinating. I really enjoyed every aspect of of this, and the fact that she she Alakwa is a real, uh, I guess you could say, disabled woman who, you know, is an amputee, and then who also is is deaf. All of that just tied into this whole thing, which was really fascinating. What'd you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I really enjoyed the series also. Um, like you, I feel like it felt kind of rushed. The ending was, I felt like the pacing was really well done. I mean, the first episode's kind of weird and we'll get into that. And then the last episode's also kind of, 
you know, you kind of have a rust resolution resolution of story. Um, you know, the, the show I think does a good job because it's it kind of serves as a bridge to the original Daredevil Daredevil series on was on Netflix and also to Hawkeye, of course, and then it you know also it bridges to the new Daredevil series, Darede Daredevil Born Again, which will come out in um I think 2025. So um you know I think it did a good job of um playing its part however you're right the fact that they made a big deal about how it was the first marvel first show to drop under the marvel spotlight banner and the way the spotlight banner was described is like oh these like they kind of made it sound like it's like more for standalone these uh you know kind of gritty street-based characters which you know maya lopez is a street-based character but you know the show you know the first episode is almost like a previously on it kind of episode it's like the longest episode of the series you're yeah. going back to you're kind of rehashing everything that happened in hawkeye that had to deal with maya mm -hmm. you know you're now then you're throwing in you know daredevil which the fight scene was awesome that was really cool oh. uh yeah and you're throwing in her explaining her past to kingpin and like what happened at the end of hawkeye where you know spoiler alert she shoots um kingpin in the face in the hawkeye finale and of course he survives as we learn later on in this series. Um, so from that perspective, I thought it was kind of strange, the whole Marvel spotlight thing and how they made a big deal about, Oh, it's going to be kind of standalone ish and you don't need to watch anything before it. It's like, well, then you open this series. And I mean, I mean, I guess they weren't lying, but then the first, <laughs> you know, most of it is a rehash of what happened in previous shows, you know, in series. So uh, I don't know. W what was your perspective on that? Brittany? So I do definitely agree with uh, parts of, of what you just said, just because it's supposed to be a standalone character that or story that doesn't have any weight in like the bigger plot line that is like MCU Avengers type status. Right. right. Uh, what would have been, I guess, Kang, which I'm sure either they're going to continue with with a different character actor rather, or they're just going to pivot and go a completely different direction. doesn't matter. Maya's story is not going to have any weight whatsoever in that big sort of plot line. So I think that's probably where they're trying to, you know, show these other characters because again, with Daredevil born again or born again, reborn, whatever it's called. Um, born again. Yeah. Born again. Born again. It's not going to carry weight in the bigger MCU, like the team ups or, or those kind of things. Now it's, it is a little weird with Maya because of the fact that she was introduced in Hawkeye, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, but to me, it still makes sense. It, it, it is a little, it's a little weird, but I yeah. think because of what we got, be it a mini series or a limited series, who knows if they'll come with like a season two mm -hmm. or not. I think her story, should it continue, it's just going to stay wherever she is. I'm not going to spoil anything right now. I'm going to give a quick shout out to the, the out in the chat, Nick and Claire, all the way in the UK joining us for today's episode. Uh, they said they're just going to pop in for the first part uh, before <laughs> sensing a spoiler. Yeah. Fair. I'm not going to divulge too, too much because Nick and Claire are, are here. They did watch the first episode. And um, yeah, so that being said, I think if her story continues, I think it might just continue in Oklahoma, not so much back in, in New York, uh, where she previously had been, grew up, all the events of Hawkeye took place, of course. So yeah, I think that's that's kind of what it is. Same thing would go for you know Daredevil or probably with like Blade or um, these other things that are going to be more mature audience rated right uh they're not going to have any sort of role to play in the bigger mcu plot 
Yeah, I don't I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think that like you know, it's all intertwined in Marvel, it's all interconnected. So you know, for example, you have these street level characters, but you know, Spider-Man is a street level character and he's the biggest character in Marvel and uh he's also on loan from Sony. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, like you know, as much as Kingpin is a daredevil villain, he's also a big villain for Spider-Man. And so there's that part of it. You know, the fact that all these, I mean, in in a way you could say, yeah, they're all, they have these like street stories, but again, Maya was introduced in Hawkeye. Hawkeye is one of the original Avengers. So obviously he's a key character in the whole, you know, saga, whether it's the infinity saga, the multiverse saga, like that's a you know key part of it. So, um, I think they're trying to put stuff in boxes just for like marketing purposes and to like make people feel like, oh, you don't have to do all this homework. You you can just jump in and pop in. And you know what? A lot of that stuff, if you want to, you can do that anyway. Like, yeah, they, they do a pretty good job of explaining stuff. If you've never seen any of these movies or shows and you jump in, you can pick it up pretty quick. And also they have the, the Marvel Legends thing, which is on YouTube and on Disney Plus, like these little 10 minute like vignettes about the characters that kind of get you caught up. So you can just watch that, not necessarily have to watch hours of movies and shows to be caught up. So I think the purpose is that is more for marketing, which gets me to my next thing, which is the TVMA rating. Um, this show was very much more bloody than, you know, bloodier than other MCU shows on Disney for sure. <laughs> however, however, I do think that the TVMA thing was a gimmick, was a marketing gimmick. Um, hmm. Not to the le- not to the level of like what they did with the Marvels, which the final trailer for the Marvels was borderline like false advertising. Where they're, like, where they're like trying to tell you like, oh, an Avenger is going to return. And it like they kind of hit that it might be Steve Rogers or Tony Stark. And it's like, it's not going to be either one of those guys. And it wasn't one of those guys. Spoiler alert. Spoilers. Y'all. We're not going to spoil the whole it. movie. But yeah, but <laughs> So that was like kind of borderline false advertising. This show wasn't false advertising, but to me, the T- TV MA stuff was a small ingredient in the overall, you know, recipe of the show. What What do you think about that, Brittany? I'm fine with it, uh, just because how often do you see like bloody, yeah. you know, bloody fights in in like Avengers team ups or their own solo movies? You you don't. The answer is you don't. So this is still like on par with, like I said, with that of like Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, all those other uh, Marvel installments that were not deemed canon up until recently. So I think kind of leveling it out and being on par with with those other shows was fine by me. I mean, it wasn't necessarily as like foul language, you know, (laughs) as I kind of anticipated uh, because those other shows absolutely do have foul language. But I think just for graphic violence, because that's what it said every single time you you watched an episode and it gave you that disclaimer that viewer discretion was as was advised because of the graphic violent nature of the story. So, you know, it's it's fine. I mean, I, I'm, I don't have any qualms with it whatsoever. It, it at least gave you the heads up and, you know, did show blood you know on the face, blood on the knuckles, uh, blood uh, on the floor. I mean, yeah, it was it was pretty. It was pretty bloody. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it was definitely bloodier. And some of the, the characters who were killed off throughout, you know, were kind of after these characters die, they definitely show the camera on them. Whereas in the past, they wouldn't do that. 
yeah, especially yeah. there's a there's a death that happens in the skating rink later on in the series. <laughs> Spoilers, um, Nick and Claire. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, all, all in all, to me, it, it, it felt like it was just a bloodier show. Like it felt, it still felt like a Disney Plus show that just had more blood, right? But again, consider Disney, consider their right, usual right, audience. Right, yeah, right. this is kind of like dipping their toe into the water of like, we're going to be a little bit more violent than normal. Yeah. So like, that's, it's fine. I, I don't expect them to go full, full fledged, like gore graphic, you know, Game of Thrones style yeah. blood massacre. You know what I'm saying? It's and, just, and it, by the it's way, part of what it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, by the way, like, I don't think everything has to be TVMA and just because something's TVMA doesn't make it better. In my opinion, like you can do, <laughs> you can do a, a PG 13 or even a G rated story. If you do it well, you can do it better than just because something's TVMA and they might cuss and might, you know, break somebody's bones or show blood. That doesn't necessarily make the story better. You know, you've got to, You've got to put the know. work in either way. No, I think I think you. Do. I don't know. They were they were cussing in ASL, dude. Like that's that's pretty intense. That's pretty intense. <laughs> no, I no, I know. I understand that part. What I'm saying is like it's just not like I think a lot of people are hung up on like oh the TVMA thing like oh that's gonna make it better. And it's like that doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna be better, right? That's just just wait until Daredevil comes back. Okay, it's 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 gonna warrant that MA. But see, like, I think Daredevil is gonna be more like this series than like the Netflix series. Mm, not my from, not from what I've read or and heard about it. So hopefully, we'll see, we'll just have to wait and see. Of course, but we'll, um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, um, we do have a question in the yep. chat, Justin from Nick and Claire. Um, do you think they're going the old Netflix route of standalone smaller character stories and? What do you think about them dropping the whole season and not just one episode per week? Okay, so the first thing, the smaller character stories, I think that's kind of like what the spotlight banner is supposed yeah. to be about. So yeah. I do think that we will see that. I don't know that, like, I I think we'll get, like, maybe one spotlight story a year. Because their goal is to, put, you know, less is more. It's kind of the new, uh, the new, uh, strategy i think well and i also wonder how difficult it would become to have every single mcu character have a bigger role to play in in the bigger storyline you know what i'm saying like what is it that maya could do in the bigger storyline what is it going to be like with daredevil with with blade and you know what i'm saying like you know do they always have to have a bigger purpose than just maybe their what's going on in their own little world. I mean, yes, Spider-Man may be like a more grounded character, but like that decision was already made a long time ago to put him in in the team ups and, and such. Right. So right. I think it's going to start becoming more convoluted to make sure that every single character that we are ever introduced to is going to have a bigger role to play in, in, in the upcoming well, big bad. You know what I'm saying? Right. But, but they may, they may just keep it separate. Right. So yeah. if, if Kang is the, the multiversal big bad going forward, then you'll have characters who would deal with Kang, but then you can also, in a way you could make Kingpin kind of like the street level Thanos where daredevil and, and uh punisher and Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and even Spider-Man. Cause you know, where, where Peter They're Parker all kind of left off. New York. Yeah. 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 Where, where Peter Parker left off and even Hawkeye. If you know Hawkeye yeah. can kind of be pulled into both both different both kind of storylines. That's fair. Where Peter Parker left off, you know, no one knows he's Peter Parker, so he's it's kind of starting over. It's almost like you know Spider Man Born Again, 
you know, in a lot of ways yeah, too. So I definitely could see that, you know, kind of having a separate, separate, you know, big bads for the, the different, you know, whether it's street level or, you know, world ending level, which I think that makes sense because I think people kind of get tired of the world ending stuff. If the world's <laughs> almost always ending it, it, you know, it's just, it's just end already, much, damn it. Well, no, too much of, <laughs> of anything is, is not good. Right. Yeah, that's fair. So there's that's like fair. moderation in everything in life, but with these stories, yeah. especially because people are fatigued, worn down by them. And uh, I think, you know, going focus on these characters, having their own main villain to take down, I think is a way to go. And it makes sense to me. So, okay. That's fair. Uh, so part two of that question, right. of Nick and Claire's question, what do you think about them dropping the whole season and not just one episode per week? So, I prefer the weekly release. If you've watched, listened to this podcast over the years, I've been a champion of that. And I think, I think honestly, it just works better for, I mean, financially it works better for these companies because if, if the show does well, you know, if you have a five episode, you have five weeks where people are talking about the show and doing podcasts like this and breaking it down. But to me, I think the reason why they did this with this five episodes drop, you know, binge drop, I think they wanted to just kind of get it out there. And that's unfortunate because I think it actually is pretty good. Like I don't, I think yeah. this show, I'm, I'm, I don't know that we're gonna do rankings today of all the Disney Plus shows, but like to me, it's like, like right in the middle of the pack. Like it's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad at all. In fact, I think there's some stuff on this show that I really enjoyed. I, I watched the series twice, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that on the rewatch, I think I enjoyed it more than the first watch. So, um, yeah, I think I, we, I think we could agree that this show was like way better than Secret Invasion. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. There's yeah. I think it's better than Moon Knight. I think. I mean, honestly, as much as I love Captain America, like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like this show, I to me, I enjoyed this show more than the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which or or they're like on the same kind of level. Which I mm. there's no way if you told me two years ago, three years ago that I would say that I'd be like, well, first off, who's Echo? Because I don't know who Echo is. <laughs> so that kind of shows you that I thought this was actually a quality show, but unfortunately I don't think that Disney, you know, thought that, that people were going to think it's a quality show. You know what I'm saying? I think they thought like, we need to get this out of here and we're just going to binge drop it. And if people like it, cool. If they don't, we're moving on and they're going to move on too. So (laughs) what do you think, Brittany? Yeah. Well, uh, Yesenia in the chat. Thanks for joining us, Yesenia. She wants you to explain yourself, sir. Um, she's just kind okay. of taking it yeah, back happy, by everything happy too. That you said. No, she's like, I wow, guess about why? Why I like Echo? I I thought the cast was great, and yeah, you know, we'll get into that a little bit more. I thought like the sign language part of it, the American sign language stuff. I thought that was really well done. I think it. I and, think it might have been about something else that you had said, not so much about Echo. Oh, but, about the Falcon, um, the Winter Soldier. Probably, probably. Oh, I mean, I mean, th- to me, that's been a disappointing show since it came out. I mean, the I mean, plot, I like the characters. Yeah, the, the plot of of the whatever the flag storyline. Yeah, the flag yeah, smashers. How, yeah, yeah. I mean, the flag yeah, smashers. It, that was just that was just a weird pivot. Had, it was just. Eh. Yeah. we're not going to talk about that here we're not going to talk about no, but, i want to check but, check that out explain, we do have pods about that <laughs> no to, but to explain real quickly i you know sam wilson's great uh you know becoming captain america love bucky being a part of it like there's a lot ah. of great stuff oh, oh it's, moon about, Knight. it's about echo yeah, over moon Knight. So, so moon Knight. i just i don't know hey, it, just, it just did not hate her it wasn't terrible but it just wasn't like 
wasn't my thing. It wasn't like I challenge you to rewatch the whole season again and then come back and say if you still feel the same or not. Because you you rewatched Echo, granted it's only five episodes, but you yeah. rewatched it and you said you enjoyed it more on the second right, one. But, so but I, I would challenge you to do, Okay, but I I still am gonna challenge you to do the same for Moon Knight. Give it a fair shot. Give it a fair shot. Okay, we'll see. I'm not I'm not agreeing <laughs> to anything, but uh I'm yeah, sure you said that point. about Harry Potter. You said that about Harry Potter and look we what we did. We did pods on Harry Potter. Listen oh, to me. <laughs> okay. Did we do pods about Moon Knight also? Uh yes. I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, we just did like a overall review, but anyway. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that being said, that yeah. being said, um, let's talk about the ASL stuff because I know that's yes. something that you thought was. I mean, I, I thought it was very cool the way they did it. The way that I thought it was like really cool how you could like kind of see how she sees the world from her perspective, and like, yeah, obviously she can't hear, but like, there's certain things, you know, like the way that they use text messaging as a way to communicate, the way they use interpreters, the way Kingpin uses spoiler. Yeah, spoiler kingpin uses um some special contact lenses which i thought were very cool to uh be able to communicate with maya at a certain point um what did I'm you think advanced about advanced technology yeah yeah what did you think about all the asl stuff you know i i think yasina just said it extremely well here in the chat they did a good job at showcasing the asl but not being distracting i mean yeah. and, and let's be real this is maya's only form of communication like real true face-to-face communication, you know, because she cannot hear, um, you know, uh, um, how much lip reading she may or may not be able to do. I I don't think that was entirely determined, but I I think with showcasing her perspective and her view of the world, because in some instances you're, you're seeing and hearing the action that's going on while she's, you know, present, but then it kind of like camera kind of turns as if it's, from her eyes and then the the music and and everything else just kind of slowly fades to nothing and and that's what when you really get inside her head if you will right um i think that was all extremely well done with like the cinematography and with um how they just decided to to write out these these scenes with her um and and for me with the asl now granted I took ASL as as a young young kid. Um, I have like rudimentary basics kind of that have retained, and I I am not fluent at all. Um, but it was it was fun to, I say fun, but like it it was it was great to see that be central to the story because once again, this is the only way that Maya can speak with people, uh, be it. Uh, with her mother who was also deaf or with her father or her her extended family who are hearing but they still speak and and sign at the same time so that for me was was extremely cool to to see and it seems like in this community here in in Tomahawk Oklahoma that you know whether if whether or not it was because of Maya or whether just in the community itself there are a lot of deaf uh, individuals the community for the most part i felt like or at least what we saw they all knew how to sign unless it was just like like i said really close-knit family and they all signed because of of uh maya's mother and then maya herself right so um and the very fact that these actors you know not only had to go through lessons to to portray as if they can sign but they also did that with the cast and crew as a whole for 
um oh my god i just like spaced on how to pronounce her name again um alakwa cox alakwa um when she came onto the set like feeling more welcomed and like everyone took the time to be able to to at least try to communicate with her i think is extremely extremely well um well thought out of and and um i really enjoyed it i, I really honestly enjoyed it yeah yeah, um, Cindy has a good point to bring up in the in the chat. Yep. So she talks about how the you know it's a, it's a spoiler for episode four, but the fact that Kingpin didn't learn sign language for her, you know, even though okay. like you know, she's her, you know, he he's her uncle and yeah, he's so important. You know, she's so important to him. Although you know what, I think if if you kind of watch, you know, like I like I said, I watched it again. He did yeah. know some things, but, but not enough to be fluent to converse right. with her without the help of an but, interpreter but i i think it might have been more of like i think he knew how to do it but it was more of like a power dynamic like he had interpreters that we i mean they killed one of the interpreters which that was like wow that was pretty like not that it was yeah. super graphic but it's like man this woman like just was doing her job and then you well you, no you know that he went her. through like three of them right right yeah yeah that but tells there, you what he did. <laughs> yeah, but there are moments where he's signing things and you can tell he knows. So a couple of times. Yeah. Yes. But I thought the contact lenses were a very cool idea to show, you know, she can see what he's saying and it creates these like virtual arms and hands that like are making the signs. I thought that was like really, really well done and very cool. AI is and, taking over y'all. Right. <laughs> but it was just one contact lens, which I thought was, was, uh, well, so, uh, Nick and Claire, if y'all are still here, we're obviously going to, you know, really get more into into the characters, into the plot, into the, these episodes. So if y'all want to maybe exit and come back for the replay, now's the time to do so. Um, but while we're on that subject, Justin, of Kingpin, you know, at the end of Hawkeye, we see Maya with Kingpin um, and she has her gun. She shoots him. You hear him fall to the ground. And you presume she killed him. She thought she killed him. She leaves New York, comes to Oklahoma. Extremely long story short, Kingpin lives. Um, and we don't get an explanation like at all as to how he survived. Like he got shot in the freaking eye, right? And he's wearing the patch. It, it seems like right. his eyeball is still intact. Like, right. like it wasn't removed. It wasn't like like Odin, you know, Odin had, you know, or right. Thor, you know, when they, they had their eye completely like just messed up and they have to wear the patch thing over it. Like that bothered me because it was just kind of glossed over of, yeah, you thought you killed me in New York. You made that very clear. And that was it. <laughs> like, how did he survive? Yeah, no, I, they didn't really explain it. And you're right. It was strange because you're thinking like, well, maybe she just shot close really close to his eye and it was just his like fate you know his cheek was really damaged it, but i mean it yeah. was it was close like close range or a point blank yeah. range and it's just like yesenia uh, says marvel nobody dies mm, you know they actually do um tony stark tony stark. is tony stark yeah yeah, yeah he dies um, no, I, I mean i get your i get her point it's yeah yeah it's but well, like yeah. but the lack of explanation was just like Okay, we're just supposed to accept this, but I guess I always go back to Star Wars with uh, with Palpatine. You know, guy was dead for forty years. He returned. Really wasn't. And He's he back. Yeah. So unless like, like Kingpin is just invincible, 
you know, he's got some sort of power stone that we're not aware of that like prevents him from dying. Um, Cause dude is a monster. Like he is a big, big dude. Obviously we see him become physical. We see him with his rage and what have you, but it's just like point blank range. Like you get shot like right in the eye or like underneath the eye, but the eye is still intact and whatever. And then that's the curious thing with the contact lens is that he puts the contact in her left eye, right? which is the eye that got messed up for him. Yeah, right. So I thought that was really interesting how, how that was decided upon. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. There's no explanation really for how he's survived or how he's able to keep the eye and seemingly can see with the, with the, the eye that was potentially shot out. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, that part of it. And, um, yeah, you know, I wonder like if maybe originally in the plan of this show, he wasn't Kingpin wasn't supposed to be as big of a character as he became. And then they kind of had to like force him to be a big, bigger part of it. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Cause like in the the finale, you kind of get that feeling like, like so kingpin was the big bad but i don't know was he just, though yeah it just it, it just was it, so it, kind of rushed it didn't, of it and, it didn't fizzle out the way that or it wasn't as fleshed out as as i had kind of anticipated yeah. um but one character i was very interested in and i didn't think we were going to get to see him as as early as we did was matt murdoch aka daredevil yeah. like yeah. I mean, in that opening, I wait, I say opening, but in the first episode with the the major fight scene, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, cool. Like they're doing a big fight scene, whatever we get to see her kick, kick ass and like take names, what have you. And then like enter Daredevil. I'm like, oh, like this is happening right now. Like I, 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 I saw clips of the fight scene floating around on social media, of course, like a couple of weeks ago, but I wasn't anticipating seeing him appear in that first episode that quickly. And not hating it. Absolutely loved it. Love seeing Charlie Cox, you know, back on the screen. And it it was it was really cool to to see that. But I, I kind of wish we got a little bit more of him. But then at the same time, this isn't about him. It's about uh, yeah. Maya Lopez. But yeah, I was really I really enjoyed seeing him. I thought kid. the action scene was great. I thought that so was good. Such a good. So good. I'm like, I was watching it when I watched it. We watched it yesterday. I was like, man, this is a scene I'm probably going to watch several times. Like, it's on YouTube so well or whatever, done. Because it's really well done. It is. Um, I mean, and the fact that, like, I know Charlie Cox for sure does a lot of his own fighting scenes. Like, yeah. I, I guess there's stunt doubles across the across the board. But, like, he does train. Like, he does do the martial arts. And he does do a lot of the physical stuff. Where where I think the same is for Alakwa. You know, granted, she is also an amputee. And so, like, getting to see how she uses her her prosthetic leg in in that scene with him like how she kind of like picked it up and held it and then like swung around and kicked him and it, it was just it was really cool to to see the different fighting styles between the two yeah no it was it was awesome and uh you know in, in that first fight scene is it before or after she encounters i think it's before she encounters daredevil where she's she's fighting this guy and she gets him into like a guillotine like choke uh-huh. and the captioning says Spine. two hearts beating yeah two hearts beating and then all of a sudden she just snaps his neck and you hear a crack well it said it that just... the spine shattered oh, okay 
Yeah. And then it's so, just one heartbeat. So it was like, and then you wow, just hear was, the one heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, that was really, really cool, which is yeah. very similar to that of, of Daredevil. You know, yeah. uh, Maya Lopez is deaf. Matt Murdock is blind, but he yeah. is able to manipulate uh, his senses in order to see things around him. And of course, his his hearing is heightened. Um, and that's how he's able to to know when someone's nearby is the same thing, the heartbeat, um, which is very different, obviously, from Maya. But um but you you can feel the heartbeat when you're in close proximity, right? You know, that same thing with like the drums beating. She may not be able to hear the drums, but she can feel the the beat of the drums, right? So same idea. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was uh very well done. I thought all the all really all the action throughout this throughout oh, the yeah. series was really cool. For yeah. sure. The skating rink or you know, fight <laughs> later on where she has to use like ski balls and and uh arcade game stuff you know she ripped the guns the guns yeah and used the cables as as like a freaking you know like indiana jones you know with with a freaking whip that was awesome very creative ways of of fighting and and even when she had to sort of manufacture this like laser type gun thing out of roller skate materials and, and equipment in order to try to get out of the locked room that she was being held in at the skate rink. I was like, man, this, this girl is smart. You know, she is really intelligent. Like that is, is super cool. Yeah. Um, I thought the cast was really strong in this, this whole series, but -hmm. I want to give a special shout out to little Maya. I think that girl is cute as hell. She is. She's she's actually Aliqua's little cousin. That's what I was going to tell you. So I was like, you know, I was like, they did a good job. Of finding Casting. someone who looks like a very, you know, a younger version of, of Alaqua Cox. And Darnell Vesaw is her second cousin. So that makes yep. sense. And yep. she does a great job. I mean, you know, the yeah. in the episode four with the ice cream truck, like, oh, or the ice cream baby. guy, vendor guy, where he's like giving her a hard time. And then yeah. Kingpin just goes and just beats into a bloody pulp. And then it's funny because she sees it happening and Kingpin's like worried that, oh, like, I didn't want you to see that. And then she walks up, she gives the guy a couple of kicks to the side, like <laughs> while he's down, it like kind of shows like, you know, what she becomes is like one of uh Kingpin's uh, key uh, members of his, uh, his tracksuit mafia group. Still such a stupid name. Yeah. Uh, it was stupid then it's stupid now. Yeah, no, she did such a great job because obviously she was also, I think because they're calling calling back to Hawkeye. So that's the first time that we really got to see her in Hawkeye, especially when she's uh, at the uh, dojo, you know, she's about to, you know, whoop, whoop some little boy's ass, you know, even though she, she's got the prosthetic, but um, she in real life is not deaf. She's not an amputee. She, you know, uh, whether she already knew how to sign because of, again, with Alakwa and, 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 and as far as we know, Alakwa is like the only one in her family that was born deaf, but you know, we're just going out on a limb here, but regardless, she learned how to sign. She uh, learned how to uh, portray Maya Lopez, and I think that's really sweet that they were able to keep it all in the family because it's just—it's just so sweet. Like this, yeah. I loved it. She is adorable. Protect her at all costs, people. She is the sweetest. Yeah, no doubt. Um, before we kind of kind of go through each episode and kind of talk about some things we like from each episode. I wanted to ask you about um, 
kind of we, we learn what the echo name is for for maya lopez why she's called echo mm-hmm. and we have you know these generation of, of women that she has this connection with uh britney you want to like kind of walk us to that and what'd you think about that kind of explanation because each episode there's five episodes they're all named after a member of her her family yeah um so what'd you think about the whole uh how that her powers are kind of echo from the past of her family and ancestors. That I think was extremely well thought out because if, if there's one thing I know about native American history is that they, they do very much believe that power is, is passed on from generation to generation. And in Maya's case, the very first episode was called Chaffa, which is the first Choctaw uh, woman to, to, ever exist and she led her people and what was really interesting about all this is that for one the the first Choctaw woman uh at the very beginning because they look very different like they lived in the cave it seemed there there was like this illuminating pool of I guess you know some sort of liquid water what have you and 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 Chaffa you know drank from it and and was able to assume some sort of powers and through that, she's able to, again, lead her people. But through her line, she's passed on that like power to, to women all the way down to, to Maya. And so that was really interesting to see because you hear stories of like the ancestors and, and, and um, things within the Native Americans' beliefs. But to actually see it kind of portray on the screen was really cool. Mm-hmm. So from the first Choctaw woman down to um, the next episode which dealt with a woman that was i say it was more or less like lacrosse is what they were playing uh yeah it was like a stick ball was kind of yeah it, it was a truck kinda, stick ball it had a different name but yeah, yeah. but it, it kind of gave me like lacrosse vibes you know just yeah. with the, the sort of uh, very much pl- yeah. playing tools that they were using and they each had like a skill or a gift that would all be enveloped in 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 maya so like the choctaw woman was um i guess you could say just a a natural born leader the the next one with the game was more of a strategist the next one which was uh, a force to be reckoned with on her own which that episode justin the third episode i thought was really cleverly done with the kind of black and white silent film sort of sort of vibe which was really cool um where this woman who has skills, right? She can shoot, she can throw, she can, you know, protect. She wants to join her father and this, you know, sort of uh, police group called the the Light Horsemen in order to protect the community. And she's not granted that because she's a woman, but she held, held her own. She's cunning. Like she's, you know, so again, we're seeing glimpse of like Maya in Women's of Past. And then it comes down to um, that of her mother, her mother who was deemed as a healer from what her grandmother said. And we actually got to see that more so in in the the last episodes where her mother would just put her her two fingers together, um, one on top of each other, making a cross and heal like a little woodpecker that we saw from the very first episode with Chaffa. Um, so the fact that like history ancestry it all comes down 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 the pipe if you will and once again maya is all these things she's just been so consumed with anger and and rage and and violence that she never considered 
those other attributes of, of her family and that she is a legacy. She, she can be different. She can be better and she can protect her, her family, her loved ones, her community. And I think that was just extremely well, well done. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think, I think that was really well planned out. And I think, uh, I think again, like I watched the episodes, like as they came out, I think I did like two the first day and then kind of two the next day, then the, the finale. But when I, when I rewatched it, I kind of really, it, it made more sense, honestly. Like it kind of, I saw how they plotted everything out. I, you know, also the importance of like birds in the, in the, uh, to those in people. their culture yeah mm-hmm. in their culture like because there were there were other times in the episodes where there was a bird a bird would appear and you're like they showed it and you're like okay that's cool but like there was a reason because yeah. birds were there to warn you about enemies approaching so yes that's what they believe and so mm-hmm. i thought like all that stuff worked really well i thought it oh, was yeah. like kind of like that part was like airtight to me it was just it felt the show felt kind of rushed. Like I think it should have been at least six episodes. I think it needed one more to kind of like let flesh it out everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I agree with that, but given what we were given yeah, it, they made it work to the best of their ability. And, and you and I talked about this off, off, uh, offline, but the fact that they actually, I say they, the production team actually involved the Choctaw Nation to make sure that everything was as accurate as possible. Because in this day and age, you really don't want to misrepresent any sort of uh, culture or or people or, or whatever. And so the fact that they took the time to really sit down and, and, and talk with the council or the elders or whomever it may be in order to make sure that the stories were right or the, the apparel was right and, and so on and so forth, that was what I think I, I really appreciated most out of this whole series. I mean, the ASL of course is great. We're, we're highlighting a, a hero who um, has a disability and, and she, you know, kicks ass and it's awesome. But then you're also representing a, a nation that a lot of people just kind of toss aside. Yeah. Yeah. Representation is important. I think they did a really good job of showing a different uh, people, diff- you know, different way of life that maybe people don't understand as well. So I thought that was, that yeah. was very well done. Um, okay. I wanted to ask you about some of the cast members just real quick. So uh, Devery Jacobs plays Bonnie and Bonnie mm-hmm. is uh, Maya's cousin. And you also have biscuits. Who's also her cousin. I, so I was trying to put the family together. Are, are Bonnie and biscuits? Are they brother sister? It was hard to like understand the family relation. Yeah, and, and yeah. that's because we didn't get to know who their parents are, if right. if they are for sure siblings or not. I, I, I don't think that's the case, um, because I feel like if Biscuits was the first one to see Maya when when he came to the house, I think he would have ran and told his sister, like, hey, by the way, our cousin is back. But I think I, I think they're all just cousins. They're just not cousins. like okay. cousins, but two of them happen to be siblings. You know what I mean? Um yeah, because I was a little confused about that as well, especially after the first episode where, of course, Maya, her her mother uh, gets hit by a truck. She unfortunately dies. But we see that shard of glass that, you know, in Maya's leg, which is, explains her, her uh, need for her prosthetic leg. But I was very confused about 
the relationship between Shula and Scully because at the beginning episode, it's like, oh, they're together. They're great. You know, what have you? I, w I didn't make the connection that they were the parents of Maya's mother because then in later episodes, it's like they're not together anymore because right. Chula has like this chip on her shoulder about Maya's father because apparently, yeah. apparently the Lopez boys bring nothing but like pain and trouble and, right. and all that jazz. Because Scully, they never identify him as grandpa or grandpa. Right. You're, right. So it's, it's like, it's just like he was a guy who was with in the family, Tula, you know, with, with the, the grandmother, the grandmother. But, but not anymore. So that's, yeah, it was to me the family, all the family dynamics were kind of like they were all related. They all knew her. Yeah. But it, it didn't. It was strange. Yeah. It was a strange kind of thing because you would think that because Chula is Maya's mother's mother, then that would make Scully Maya's mother's father. May or may not be the case because it right. seemed at the hospital scene where the two were talking with, with uh, Maya's father that, you know, Chula was like, I'll never forgive you for this. It's, it's your fault that my daughter is dead. Not saying our daughter. You know what I'm saying? But it's yeah. my daughter. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. Not that I, not that it's really important. It was just kind of weird to, to yeah, follow. Yeah. As well as things where you're like thinking about it, you're like, okay, so then you have uncle Henry, but then Henry doesn't have kids. So he's not the father of Bonnie or uh, biscuits. So that, yeah, that part of it too. So then he, he is Maya's father's brother because he's a Lopez. He's yeah, Henry, yeah, right. uh, Henry Black, Black Crow, Lopez. Crow yeah. Lopez. So, okay. So they're, they're brothers. And see, I didn't get that from like the first meeting. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like she said, hi, Uncle Henry or anything like that. It was just like Henry. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, it was kind of strange. Um, and, and then with Bonnie, and then with Bonnie, yeah, I don't know who her parents are. It seems like maybe Chula was the one who's been raising her um, because we didn't see other, other family members yeah who knows <laughs> and also with bonnie though she's played by devry jacobs who you may you may go oh i've heard that name well yeah she yep. was uh the voice of cohorty in mm -hmm. uh what if season two so yes. she had back-to-back -back mcu projects with different characters that's yeah that's also kind of a unique first yeah. um what did you think about because we're we're told how important the friendship is between bonnie and uh and uh, Maya and like, yeah. they, you know, they're super close as kids and they're, they're, they're cousins, but then Maya wants them to be sisters, but they're super close, but we don't really see a ton of them together throughout the five episodes. They're only around each other a couple of times. And it's they're like, their interactions are very brief. What did you think about that part? Yeah. Of, to me, that was like, like, that was one of those things where it's like, you know, like you're supposed to show, not tell. And they tell us a lot, but they don't really show us much of like what these people actually mean to each other. what do you think about that? So it wasn't just that issue with between Maya and Bonnie. It was that between Maya and like everyone back home in Oklahoma, right? The fact that Chulo kept saying, oh, Maya, she's just like her father. You haven't seen her in 20 years. Like, how do you know what she's like? Like, why would you think the worst of, of, of that when she's also your daughter's child? I mean, wouldn't you hope that that Maya would be like your daughter, not so much her father. Like her father left Oklahoma because he found a job in New York or whatever. Like what, what else was he going to do? You Chula 
didn't want to be around him. Ergo, you didn't want to be around your granddaughter, the last living thing of your daughter. Like that blew my mind. So yeah, I mean, definitely did not get the vibe of, you know, Maya really being close with Bonnie. I mean, I mean, Bonnie did have that conversation with Maya when they were, you know, kidnapped, where it's like, I reached out to you, I called, I text, you never I text I emailed you you never responded like you you we you can't say we drifted apart you just didn't try which is echoing ah, no pun intended which is echoing what conversation Maya had with Chula when she finally sees her grandmother and and is sharing about the visions that she's seeing and then uh the grandmother saying you know I, I my heart it was just, I was so heartbroken I I couldn't stand to be you know around you basically and my my it's like you made a choice like you chose yourself over me when I needed you. So yeah, there's a lot of like trauma within this family, of course, but it just, I didn't get that sense of we're so super tight because the fact that it kept saying over and over again, it's been 20 years, it's been 20 years. So that puts Maya at like 27, 28 at, at this time of when she comes back to Oklahoma. So I, I just think that's really messed up. Like, especially in, in a culture where family is like so significant and then like a bad thing happened to one person and then like the husband's to blame for it. And then when he leaves because he's got to go provide for his child, like that's it. Ugh, just that, that, that really annoyed me. <laughs> yeah. So you're like the family, like they're close, but it's almost like they're, they're close because they all live in this very small town, which uh, Tamaha, Oklahoma is a real place and it's it only a population, like 178 people, which is very crazy. Small. So I kind of doubt that a place that small would have a skating rink or anything. Cause I, it does I not, come, it does not. Cause I come from a town of 3,800. That's where I was born or where I grew up and we don't have a ton, like a couple of, couple of stoplights, a dairy queen and a Sonic. And that's about it. So I, like this, we all had a junior cool. college at least. I well, mean, yeah, Tom, no, Tomahawk Lake. Right. But again, again, like where I'm from has almost 4,000 people where Tomahawk is 178 according to the 2010 census. They don't even have like a recent update of that. So, uh, um, what I was saying about the family, go ahead. I was just gonna say, my, my graduating high school class was like 365. So it's like yeah. that is insane to me. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> my thing about the family is like they're, they're close knit almost solely because they're just close to each other like pro in proximity, in proximity. Like, because they're all like they're all kind of cold to each other throughout the show like you know it's not like a happy family i mean there's some like well, biscuits obviously is like the the heartwarming like lovable character you know he's got his dog this. billy jack and but like it as far as like how everyone interacts they don't interact like their family or it's more of just like this you know, I, mean, I mean, like with Henry, that's because example. of that's because of Chula. That's I, yeah. I, I 100 yeah. percent like if there's yeah. someone to blame, it's going to have to be her because as like, let's say, matriarch of the family, she felt what she felt after her daughter died. She said what she said to to her son in law. Ergo, she doesn't see or have a relationship with her daughter in law, her, her sorry, her granddaughter, because she never extended, you know, now door swings both ways, y'all. Yeah. But. I mean, at some point, you just got to like, like, just come to terms with things. It, it's not anyone's fault other than just if, if someone did, you know, uh, 
cut the brakes or, or whatever. And it's just really unfortunate that it happened, but it all, I still feel stems from Trula because she has that chip on her shoulder. Her marriage probably ended because of what had happened with the daughter. She has no relationship whatsoever with, with uh, Maya and, and her father when they went to New York. So probably all that she had left was biscuits and Bonnie, however they may be related to her. I mean, they call her a, a grandmother. So, I mean, we just don't know how it doesn't really matter, but yeah, it's, it's such a weird dynamic. And the grandmother is a postal worker who lets biscuits borrow her, her, her company her or her, her truck, which is a, you know, it's for postal service. The, the steering wheels on the right-hand side of the, the car, yeah. not the left-hand side. So there's a lot of stuff that was kind of like, kind of strange about it when you're really thinking about it. One of the Can things I, I thought, go ahead. Sorry, real quick. I just, cause you mentioned the truck, the exchange yeah. between biscuits and Chula as he's driving down the road after the incidents with Maya and the train and off-roading and how he's just like staring at her as he's driving, like in disbelief. Wonderful. I just, yeah. I loved, I love that exchange that was, between the two. So funny. Well yeah. Very well done. <laughs> um, wh- one of the plot problems I have with the show is, so you have uh, Henry, who is the, you know, uncle Henry, who is the, he owns the skating rink, but he also has connections to, to Kingpin, right? Because of the shipping, right? Bisk. So, yeah. Um, with with that being said, it's it's kind of weird. Like you know, obviously Kingpin has a he has a shipping location in this very small town, which is you know what are the odds? But I mean that's that's TV show stuff. I'm, I'm not complaining about that. But to me, later on in the in the series, I think it's I think it's actually the finale when Chula is abducted by Wilson Fisk, Kingpin. How does she not know who he is? Like when they meet each other up, when they meet up and like they, they talk and she's telling him about Maya. And of course he knows all about Maya. Cause he's, that's his, you know, it's his niece, quote unquote. Um, how does Chula not, how does everyone there not know who Wilson Fisk is? Right. Cause everyone. It, how often of, does Wilson, Wilson Fisk travel to Tomaha, Oklahoma? Well, probably not very often, but everyone in the town, you know, kind of works for him or it's in a certain, mm, I, I didn't get that vibe. I, I didn't very, that vibe. There's not very many people there. So it's like, no, how would you not no. know? But Henry had been part of the tracksuit mafia, whatever you call that up in New York, because when he's having that conversation with Maya, where she's like, you left me when I needed you after my, you know, my father died. Um, He says, I, I'm sorry. He goes, I was scared. I was confused. And I, and I left. He's like, you know, so he had that's how he was involved with Fisk up in New York. It's just that he came back down to Oklahoma. Now, whether it's just coincidence that was the case, or Fisk had said, Okay, if you leave, you know, because he did threaten him, you, but you're still gonna manage the shipping business, whatever, out of Oklahoma. That way I can keep tabs on you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I yeah. don't necessarily think that everyone in town knows who Wilson Fisk is. I think it's just Henry because of the ties that he had in New York. And then he came back to Oklahoma. Okay. That's, that's fair. That's, that's a good explanation. I just, to me, I, I feel like everyone would know. Nah. To a certain degree. No, I, I don't. People. Yeah. And then for Chula, for that matter, if she doesn't really have a good relationship with her family, including mm-hmm. Henry, because he's a Lopez, then she wouldn't know who Wilson Fisk mm-hmm. is because she doesn't talk to Henry. He's a Lopez. 
they bring trouble. Speaking of the part where she gets abducted, which I know we're, we're skipping around here, but uh, <laughs> isn't it kind of strange how when he sees her, she's in her postal worker outfit. She's at work. And then whenever she's revealed to be kidnapped, <laughs> she's, she's in a in black a dress outfit yeah. because she's going to the powwow. So it's like, mm-hmm. I feel like we missed some stuff that were cut out in between or there's something that happened that we did not get to see. Yeah. Cause she's like, she's got like the, the earrings, like the, the hand she's made, all made up and everything. She's yeah. kind of made up. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, I mean, and from what biscuits was saying, both Chula and, and Bonnie were supposed to be there hours, hours earlier and they weren't. So that was concerning. Yeah. I feel like, because again, this should have been a six episode run because of writer differences or, or whatever the case may be behind the scenes, it got cut down to five. I think that's where we're kind of like missing some things. Cause it doesn't give real clear explanation as to why Chula would have been so like dressed up as opposed to being in her work uniform when she meets Fisk. And then Fisk is also like dressed differently when, when he sees, he sees her at the post office and then when he encounters Maya in the warehouse. So who knows? Who knows? Dramatic effect, I guess. There you go. So let's start going through the episodes kind of quickly here. Is there anything from episode one you want to highlight that we haven't talked about? Uh, I just think in general, uh, who who's keeping up with the house, the, 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 the Lopez house? That's the house that Maya went back to where, uh, you know, that's where she and her mother left because they were going to go to the store. It was rainy. It was, you know, whatever. Uh, who's been keeping up with that house? That's the only thing I'd, I'd like to know. Cause if it wasn't, well, no, we we kind of have that answer because Scully said that to Maya, when he brings her the updated prosthetic leg, that, that she kept the house as is like, like a museum. And it's just like, it's kind of odd. I mean, given that you feel that, th- that, the husband like did this to your daughter and you will never forgive him. And you have no relation whatsoever with your, your granddaughter. Like, why would you go to that extreme? People grieve in very different ways, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, That was, that was a, that was one thing that was on my mind, but overall, I think with just with the, how the town looks, even though we know that these shows are generally filmed in Georgia, uh, just how well, like they, they make, the town very believable to me yeah even uh i know we talked offline about the the water tower scene and i do see where it kind of looked like maybe that wasn't entirely real but i mean the tower does exist they just had to create recreate it on the the sound stage right for the close-ups and such so that did look a little wonky but it's it's still i think it still paid off It, it was it was fine yeah yeah i agree with you um I wanted to point out just as we're getting through episode one that I, I really enjoyed the Hawkeye stuff. I know it's all from the Hawkeye series, but I, I like yeah. the Hawkeye series also. Um, I thought it was kind of cool that even Hawkeye like signs with her, you know, he, that's how he, mm-hmm. he communicates with her. So that was, again, that was from the Hawkeye show, but that was cool. And I yep. thought the part where, you know, she was saying, you know, she thinks that, that Fisk is dead because she shot him at the end of Hawkeye. And she's saying, you know, that, the king is gone. She was like, now, now time to be the queen. queen. Yeah, yeah. She's going to be the queen pen or whatever. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then of course the episode ends with the reveal that Fisk is alive and he's got his eye very much uh, bandaged up. So I thought that was pretty well done. Like just like 
minus the explanation of how well, he survived. Yeah, how did he keep his eye in? Exactly. Yeah. Crazy. Um, moving on to the second episode, which is titled Lowack, which is uh, that's again that's the character you mentioned who was participating in the, the Shocktaw uh, stickball game, and she's the one who uh, you know is one of the characters that Maya draws upon later on when she has full use of her powers. Yep. Um, is there anything about episode two you want to touch on? So episode two, I think that was mostly about the train sequence yeah. because she she yeah. reached out to Henry, who works or is affiliated with the Fisk shipping. She wants to recruit him for help to deal with one of the uh, with one of the train cars. And he's like, I want nothing to do with this. I'm not bringing war to, you know, my loved ones, my family. Like, this is on you, basically. And so she takes matter into her own hands. She gets her cousin Biscuits, who's very impressionable, and gets him to follow her as she jumps onto a train. And she, you know, you think she's going to go into the car to try and steal something because she, you know, is very sneaky about it, has all these gadgets and tools to, you know, be undetected, if you will. Yeah. But it's not that she is stealing anything from the car. She's planting a bomb in the car because when it arrives in New York and everything's being unloaded, everything's being uh, opened up, what have you, as soon as that that one cart or whatever, I don't know what you want to call it, storage is, is opened, it, it sets off the bomb and then it's just like a domino effect. The whole warehouse just just goes down um i i like the fact that it showed her her skills like how how intelligent intelligent she is i can't speak but um you know that i think that was really cool because you just assume oh there's something that she wants to steal no she's just like she's taking down the empire she's she's trying to take down the empire which i think was actually really really cool um yeah. probably not like the best episode but in light of what the episode is entitled, seeing her ancestor play the game, being strategic, and then you see the same thing with Maya. Like that was mm -hmm. that was that was great uh, comparison. Yeah, the the train stuff is some real Fast and Furious kind of action where she falls back on the train from the overpass, and then whenever she jumps from the train car to Biscuit's truck, that's. I get, I mean, Vin Diesel definitely has done that a few times. So uh, it's like, where's Dom Toretto and Letty? Yeah. Like, good Lord. Right. Yeah. I, I appreciate that part of it. Also, <laughs> uh, you know, biscuits because, uh, because he was a part of this mission with Maya, he get he tears up his grandmother's truck. <laughs> so he's trying to make some money. So he's going to pawn off his, uh, his PS4. PS4. Right. So PS4, by the way, still, still a good console, even, even with the PS5 out, but, uh, he, you know, he's trying to sell it and he, you know, he's, he's on the, the CB whatever radio like telling people and that's how Bonnie hears because Bonnie is a paramedic or a firefighter one of the two or maybe she's EMS EMS okay so uh that's how he she hears about uh that Maya is in Tomahawk so uh yeah and, and you would think based on that she would have had a little bit bigger role to play with things because you sh see the difference between yeah. the two cousins who Maya wanted to say no we're sisters yeah. Maya went a completely different path with you know killing people and doing bad things and what have you whereas her cousin has gone down a path where she's helping people she's a healer she's you know yeah. that kind of thing which um which i thought was was interesting i think from episode two i want to highlight is the fact that 
uh, you know, Henry, he confronts Maya after what's after, you know, she, uh, you know, bombs the the shipping center via the train car. And he basically tells her, like, you're acting like Fisk, like you're mm-hmm. you're becoming Fisk. this person that you hate. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very, very cool stuff. Um, Children on. learn what they see. That's true. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Moving on to episode three, titled Tucklow. Tucklow Brittany is a, is a character you mentioned before. She um, wanted to be a fighter, like you know, like her father, a part of this like kind of group of uh, law enforcement called the Light Horsemen. However, he would not let her, and he says, you know, he tells her that she's a, you know, she's a life giver. She's a woman, not a life taker, which is you know, mm-hmm. manner a man in this time of the world it's the late 1800s when this is taking place um yeah she's also one of the ancestors that uh maya draws upon in the finale um mm-hmm. kind of going through episode three um this is the uh the skating rink episode what what did you think about this one i i i thought that was great with with the fight sequences of course yeah between uh on the skating rink and then like uh, I guess they had like a glow in the dark sort of uh, maze type thing where yeah. that's really where shit goes down. Um, you know, I was really confused to a degree about the character Vicky. Um, he yeah. is the 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 non <laughs> Native American <laughs> working in the skating rink. Um, there's a couple of others, but um, how he had ties to Fisk or how he's able to to know or recognize Maya, that yeah. kind of thing. I guess he he's also from New York and maybe he came down with Henry to, you know, yeah, do business or something. I mean, those things are not entirely I, clear. I think we're led to believe that the word is out of her because she shot Fisk. I uh, think they're they're made like, hey, like there's a bounty on her head. Okay, that makes more sense. Everyone in the system's gonna know who she is or what she looks like or something about her. And um that's I think that's what we're supposed to believe, and then okay, well, the fact that it's a dude named Vicky, very unique. Yeah. <laughs> Vicky, yeah. anyway, but yeah, you know, he's the one who puts the the call out to dude over at the shipping in New York, um, where the warehouse blew up. They're going to come down to Oklahoma. Vicky's thinking, oh, you know, because I've got Maya, I'm going to you know get get the reward money, what have you. Things don't go his way, of course, and he's got two two women who are with him to help uh, one kidnap Maya. Um, and then also when Bonnie shows up to talk to Henry about Maya, I, I love how, you know, ASL is, is used in this instance uh, to, for Henry to warn Bonnie, like, you know, go, like he's using his hand, you know, on his side and, and doing the word go. Um, and Bonnie picks up, doesn't, you know, really say a whole lot. She leaves, but she also gets kidnapped. And, yeah, like things ensue. Things ensue. This is the episode where I said Maya makes shifts like a laser gun out of like roller skating parts yep. and is able to hogtie one of the women who had suggested we need to hogtie Maya because she was able to break out of her zip ties. And um I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, that whole that whole sequence too was was really clever in how Maya is able to like pound the dude through the wall and yeah. land on the rank and it was just like oh like this is this is cool like she's she's a yeah. force to be reckoned with truly all the all the while uh 
Rob Zombie's Dragula song. Yes. So we had a fight yes. scene to a song from 20 plus years ago. Um, I did like how you said how she burst through the wall and there's a sign, there's a motto on the wall, make America skate again. It's skating rink that she uh, burst but, um, through when she's, when she's beating this guy. And yeah. uh, we didn't mention this, but uh, Vicky, Vicky, uh, he gone. He, uh, he gone. He's brutally murdered. The camera lingers on his yeah on his bloody face, which was a part oh. of the TVMA uh, <laughs> rating. Yeah, uh, yeah. Th- I think that you know, I think music was well done in this oh, yeah. set, throughout this whole series. Uh, there's the part where so Zane is the guy from New York, and he's he's like the the lieutenant or whatever of the the tracksuit mafia that's there. Yeah, in uh, Tomahawk. And they have Henry and Bonnie and uh, Maya captive. They've got guns pulled on them. All of a sudden, right before they're going to pull the trigger, he gets a phone call and Don Henley's New York Minute song is playing, which <laughs> kind of uh, appropriate. Very. And basically they call off the dogs. And then you know, later in the episode, uh, you know, Henry explains to Maya, like there's only one person who could make that call where they wouldn't have killed us. Yep. And that was Fisk, and we see yep. that he is very much alive. She learns that he's alive. So, yep. and actually, he he finds her. He's he's Wilson Fisk makes his way to Tomahawk. So mm-hmm. that was pretty cool stuff. Um, also, we see in this episode where Scully gives Maya her her new uh, her new prosthetic leg, and it's a golden leg. So with the uh, kind of honoring her uh, her ancestors, Choctaw, yeah, history. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is yeah. Yeah. That was one of highlight. I, I think the interactions even between Scully and and whoever he's around, like when he's trying to sell um, something from his pawn shop, if you will, to to the non-natives. And they're like, well, you know, we want our house to be more southwestern. Do you have any Navajo rugs? It's like, I'm sorry, you come to Choctaw Nation asking for Navajo rugs. Are you insane? But how Biscuits is, you know, kind of helping drive the sale and and you know it's a team effort scully scully is wonderful um the actor who who plays scully is, is a graham uh, i can't think of his name off the top green, of my head i believe graham green um yeah. I, I mentioned to you offline that there were at least two actors that i saw that are from the twilight series and he's one of them he played um uh, a father to one of he played father to the other actor who um in this series is the first choctaw woman chaffa uh, her name is Julia Jones. For whatever reason, she's not credited in the first episode, mm-hmm. according to IMDb, which is strange. Um, but he plays her father um, in the movie Twilight. And, of course, in Twilight, Native American lore um, that the Quileites, I'm probably butchering that. I apologize to everyone out there. Um, but their history is that they could transform into wolves. So, you know, okay. interesting. The you know, the, the histories and that. Um, but anyway, he's hilarious. I think he's wonderful. I think he was also in Dances with Wolves along with the actress who plays Chula. So they played husband and wife and Dances with Wolves. And then they played like a divorce couple in this episode or okay. in this series. So I think it's, they've been around for a long time and yeah. have acted for so long. And I think it was great that they were able to bring them back together um, for this series. Very cool. I did not know that. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> so moving on to episode four, which is titled Tolua, which is the name of Maya's mother. We flash back to 2008 
we see Maya with it's we get the ice cream truck scene or the ice cream vendor who's very rude to her and he, he catches a beating for that. I I mean he's still alive if you watch it, but like he is Is he though? Well, I when I first watched it, I was like, Oh, they just they they just killed Morphin. this guy. Yeah. But then like you go back and see he's still breathing. His body is still moving as uh Maya and Wilson Fisk are walking away from him. So uh the guy I guess survived, but he he caught a beating and deservedly so. He's mocking a, a you know, six seven year old uh, deaf girl. Who, so who uh, yeah yeah he's like use your words. She yeah. can't right God. right. And it seems like it seems like it's someone like it's not like the first time he's ever seen her. You know you're kind of led to believe that like he has because she she asked for something and he's like we don't have those and she used sign language. Well, she pointed to the picture on okay. on the cart, okay. and okay. he's like, "No, we're out." And she's like, "But want?" Okay. And yeah. he's like, "No, like, what? What do you want? Use your words." And he's doing yeah, this yeah. hand motion with like talking, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. and yeah, that that did not set well with Wilson Fisk, rightfully so. Actually, now I don't know if it warrants catching the beating that he did, but Fisk is also a very violent person. <laughs> But it was cool to see her, like, as a little kid. She sees it, and then instead of, like, being mortified, she goes over there and kicks the guy. Yeah, because that's what we want for our kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. She, you know, she also, learned a lesson. Yeah. Also, why was she with him and not her father? Because her father is still very much alive at this day and age. You know, he, he yeah, didn't die I, until she was I, an adult. I think you're kind of led to believe that Fisk is picking her up after school. Yeah. And her father's busy doing tracksuit mafia stuff so jeez you know he's he's on call i guess he's working all the time yeah uh, listen for for a, a mob boss or mafia boss of fist's nature to actually take the time to say hey don't worry i'll take care of your kid and i'll just make her my daughter slash niece and you know raise her to be in my own image is pretty wild yeah and then jeez. after the episode after 2008 we flash forward to 2021 where uh kingpin is giving maya her final lesson and uh that poor interpreter that's, that's when the, we see the interpreter get killed and she's wrapped in plastic like she walks in a hallway that's covered in plastic which obviously she had to know something was up they shoot her they were renovating right? what are you talking about they shoot her with a silencer not that probably maya could hear it anyway but they shoot her no. with a silencer but i think she, i think she knew something was up when she yeah. saw like homeboy bodyguard person follow her out and yeah, yeah walks her out yeah. yeah so that uh you know kind of a that was definitely like a tvma moment for the series i think oh yeah how much blood uh, there was on on the yeah. on the plastic yeah but i also like how in that moment with with the uh, fisk and, and maya how he's like this is your your final lesson like yeah we're, we're moving from uh theory to practicum and it's we can only trust each other exit asl interpreter they're having their sunny dinner there's wine there's whatever whatever and then when he sees her for the first time at her family home in oklahoma you know he he forcefully inserts that contact lens into her eyes so that they can you know speak to one another and he's like Hey, I thought we could have, you know, Sunday dinner like we used to. Here's a bottle of wine. Here's dinner. And she's like, it's Thursday. (laughs) So the fact that, you know, his whole final lesson with her was we we can only trust each other. 
he's there in the house. She's like, I'll open the wine and she just pours it out. It's like, yeah, mm, yeah she she don't trust you, bro. Like, no. And how but, she was just so open about it too. He's like, Where where's the whatever the, the Lafayette or whatever it was called? And she's like, I poured it down the drain. Yeah. But she did take the cookies though. He offered her cookies and she took them. But she didn't eat it. So no. yeah. Yeah. Also, I'll take wine or cookies. Just yeah. make sure it's not poisoned. That'd be great. Thanks. Yeah. It's a low bar to clear, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so basically, Kingpin, he wants her to return to NYC with him. And then he tells her that yeah. you know, until, until she makes the decision, he'll be at the Choctaw, Choctaw Casino. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, good point yeah. by Yesenia. There is a risk working with Fisk. Uh -huh. so, but I'm nice little motto for, uh, there you go. for Kingpin. Yep. Um, yeah, he's yeah. like, he's like, if you want an empire, I'll give it to you. It's just you have to come back with me to New York. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's that simple, right? And even Henry, he's like, you can't be that stupid when he, when she's telling him all this. He's like, you literally cannot be that stupid that he's actually going to follow through with that. And it's not because Maya is incapable. It's just this is Fisk we're talking about. He manipulates. He does all the things in order to stay on top and keep people under his thumb. And this is no different like who's to say if she were to go with him back to new york that she wouldn't continue doing the things that she was already doing killing people for him and and whatnot because that's her purpose right it's crazy so later on this episode we see that um chula and uh, maya have the same visions of their ancestors yeah and they kind of have them at the same time it, it seems like Mm -hmm. um, and then Henry takes Maya to Chula's house so that they can, you know, talk out their issues. Um, yeah. And Chula tells her about the visions, you know, and then, then she learns about her mother, about how her mother was a healer. Um, mm -hmm. That's pretty well done as far as how they explain that. Um, yeah, there's there's different aspects, again, from each woman in their lineage that that Maya possesses traits of. Right. And because Chula is also part of that lineage, she that's why she sees the same visions or dreams or whatever you want to call them as Maya does. She saw them the night that her daughter died. She saw them more or less the same time that Maya did, but at the uh, at the powwow. And yeah, like this, there's it's like an alert, you know, an alert system of things yeah. that are happening and you need to be prepared for um, because shit's about to get real. <laughs> <laughs> so as we're kind of moving forward here, uh, Maya bait goes to the uh, casino to kill Kingpin. She pulls a gun on him. And then, you know, she tells, you know, she basically says like, look, you, uh, you gave me these contacts because you didn't want to learn how to sign. And then he gives her a story about his father, because earlier in this, in the episode, he talked about how his father died when he was young. And then we yep. learn, well, his father died at his hands. <laughs> Thanks to a and, ball peen hammer at the age of 12. He uh and he if y'all watched Daredevil, y'all would have known this already. Right. So then he offers her the hammer to say, like, use it, use it Free on him me. to kill him. Yeah. Free me. Which yeah. she does not do. Mm -hmm. And then he tells her to you know come home with him in the morning, but instead she leaves. And uh we end the episode with with Fist very mad. Very mad. Yep. He's on the plane. He gets a phone call from one of his minions that 
they were tailing her, but they lost sight of her. And clearly she's not coming with him to New York, which leads to a very angry, very angry Fisk. Yes. End scene. <laughs> On to the finale titled Maya. Of course, about the main character. Uh, mm-hmm. In this, we open with she's uh, Maya's a child before her mother's death. She has a slingshot and she. Um, she, you know, she shoots the a rock at a, at a Woody woodpecker. woodpecker. Right. She's not trying to kill the woodpecker. She's just trying to hit it. But of course she hits it and it's not able to fly. She takes the woodpecker to her mother to see if her mother can help her with it. Uh, mother, but more, more importantly, she's feeding her mother a lie right. saying like, oh, it fell. Tree, I found him. No, you didn't. Well, I was just trying to see if I could hit him. I wasn't trying to hurt him. You have a damn slingshot and a rock. What other kind of pain were you planning to inflict on, if not that? Exactly. But Kid. we see the mother, uh, Tulua, she heals the bird with her magic touch. And yes. The bird flies again. So Eventually. Well, but yes, uh, more yes. importantly, that's where we get the story about birds communicating with the Choctaw and, you know, their significance and, and whatnot. So in other, in other words, respect wildlife people, respect them. <laughs> there you go they're there for you <laughs> there you go um this episode we also that's when we get the abduction when both chula and bonnie are taking um so that happens here we see uh kind of an easter egg we see the the roxon travel store which roxon is this oil company in the marvel cinematic universe or the marvel universe so um i think i missed that yeah okay yeah, the gas station. Oh no, Roxon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're yeah, right. Roxanne, I did see that. I yeah. did I did see that. Yeah. When she stops to uh right. go eat something at the diner, she gets a text message from Biscuits asking about Chula and Bonnie. She races back to Tomahaw, is is trying to locate her grandmother at her grandmother's house. And then in the back room where her grandmother had been working on an outfit, um, yeah. presumably for for the powwow. <laughs> Uh, or maybe for Maya, because it's not really clear at that moment. Um, we see that Maya abruptly stops and she's facing none other than her mother. Because in, in a previous episode, she had faced Chaffa, the first Choctaw woman. And, um, you know, these are like the visions that we've been talking about. And she's actually having a full-fledged conversation with her mother in this instance, where her mother's basically telling her about, you know, the ancestors have been have been uh, there for you. You're in so much pain. Like you, you, you are all these things. You're not just an angry, hateful, violent person. Like you're, you're all these things. And um, I know you've been hurting. And so her mother also like does the same sort of healing gesture on Maya. And um, it's, it's a really sweet scene between the two because, you know, Maya lost her mother so young and to have to kind of relive that moment with the car accident and what her mother says to her even then um, is something that Maya needed to hear at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. The, the powers, um, what'd you think about how Maya shares the powers with Bonnie and Shula at the end? Is that, that, uh, you know, it's kind of like, because they're they're part of that lineage, they're all of the same legacy, what have you. It only would make sense that they all possess that same kind of power to a degree. Um, sometimes it skips a generation, supposedly. 
who knows who knows what happens in in these histories of, of their culture but um yeah it's just kind of like i now know how to wield the power because i've unlocked myself or I, I i got myself out of a trap like at the the train thing i was able to use the powers that my hands lit up and you know there's no explanation about it whatsoever so it, it, that part of it was not fleshed out like really well i mean obviously you saw Chaffa in the beginning when she's drinking the water and then her hands are illuminated. You saw that again with um, the next ancestor and so on and so on. But it still wasn't like really fleshed out for Maya to that quickly understand and know how to use those powers. You know what I mean? Um, so that was a little lackluster. Yeah. It was cool because then they're able to like fight off, you know, Fisk's minions, which is cool because like grandma kicking ass too and bonnie was kicking ass so that was that was great it wasn't just solely left to maya but um i did enjoy seeing her in her grandmother's um suit. handmade suit yeah. which is supposed to represent like all the things that her mother had talked about with with being a legacy if you will and um really embracing like that of who she is now whether that was just to disguise herself to get into the powwow or actually to accept this is who I am. Like, I don't have to be what Fisk has made me. I am who I am. I am this legacy. I am um, my culture. I am protecting my community and my family. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, the suits. I think the suits, it's supposed to be like kind of comic accurate also, apparently. So mm. uh, they they did a way of, you know, giving her the suit. And it's you kind of like, she got her name and her suit at the end of the show, which that's a yeah. very familiar trope in these shows, but I think this sure. one, this one was well done compared to mm -hmm. maybe some other ones in the past. I agree. Um, we see Kingpin, you know, he goes to try to hit Maya, but then Maya uses her healing powers on him and she tells him to let go of his pain and anger on and, his heart and on his yeah, mind. Yeah. And, uh, you can see he's like freaked out by it and he leaves not understanding what Maya did to him. Yeah. Um, which I thought was, you know, kind of a an inter inter interesting way to end this the series. Um, I mean, it, you know, obviously the the story is going to continue in probably yeah. in Daredevil. I, I would I would imagine that we'll see Maya Lopez in an episode of Daredevil: Born Again at some point. It, it, it's possible, um, and I don't want to like Trump like just skim over the uh, the powwow scene because there, there's some things that happen at the powwow outside of. Yeah what's happening with Maya, but while we're on the subject with Kingpin, I think the fact that she learned how to not have to embrace that side of her, that, that he molded her into be into being, she's saying the same thing to him when she kind of transfers him back to that vision or memory of hearing his mother being beaten by his father. And he's got the same hammer and he's about to, you know, go wail on his father. And she's like, no, like let the hate go, like tune them out. Like, you know, for her to say tune him out, you know, it was just kind of interesting as as someone who's non, you know, non-hearing. Um, but um, I don't think he fully understood the purpose of that. And I don't think he knows quite how to let some of that stuff go yeah. um, because of who he is and the nature of, of Wilson Fisk. Always very violent, always quick to uh, have the upper hand. And, and so for him to be sort of diminished to a degree and for her to like let him go was also kind of strange to me instead of like 
keeping him there and, and arresting, getting him arrested or, you know what I'm saying? Cause like he yeah. and his goonies did bad things. They kidnapped yeah. people and, and then his other goons are at the powwow setting up as if they're going to just blow up the whole damn place. Yeah. But the rocket launcher, right? yeah, with the rocket launcher. And then like Henry's there, he's kind of like kind of ready to go with the gun. He, <laughs> he tells biscuit like, Hey biscuit, um, you know, things are going to go down. Um, do you have a weapon? And Biscuit's all like, no, I got something better than that. And I'm like, what in the world could Biscuit have? Yeah. A lifted ass. It's a monster truck. truck. It's yeah, a monster, monster truck. truck. It's yeah. crazy. He goes and rolls over the two vans that held all these people that I guess were going to be, what, assassins or whatever, and just rolls over them. Henry takes out uh, Zane. Uh, at the top of the uh, top of the RV or whatever, and you know, dies I guess. But he does shoot the lo- rocket launcher. But right. um, all that was just kind of like, why? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know because I, I enjoyed seeing like the powwow side of things of of, of everyone in in their in their uh, wardrobes and and how they entered into the you know to the campgrounds. Um, and you mentioned earlier the blend between like. Or not so much blend, but the music blending of their their uh, cultural songs and then like just your modern type songs, that was really cool to to hear, um, in in those different scenes. But um, again, this this last episode it was the shortest episode. It yeah. just wasn't completely fleshed out. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you in that in that respect. And then the episode ends, and we another another kind of Fast and the Furious ending where we have like a barbecue scene. It's a backyard picnic. <laughs> Maybe it's a barbecue. I'm not sure exactly, but uh, Maya visits her family, and then she rides off. So, well, she rides off, and then she comes back, right? Well, I mean, the, but but this is, I mean, she shows up to the to the um, the picnic or the the backyard barbecue. You know, she just like got off her bike. I don't know if they sure get back on the bike or maybe just no they don't it it, okay. it just okay. it just ends with her like there at the picnic so it's her like family. maybe she had intentions of keeping go- like to keep going keep running yeah. away and maybe maybe that's her way of saying like i'm, I'm done running like i i'm okay. here i need to stay with my family i need to protect my family um that again that legacy lives on in her um so i think i think maybe she's just staying in tomaha oklahoma at this point yeah, I could see that, or I could see her, you know, continuing on her new path with her, her new understanding of her powers and her life, and just going yeah. from there. No, I think she's going to stay in Oklahoma. I mean, she's got no real purpose of going back to New York. Um, she let Fisk go, so like she's still going to pursue him even after she let him go. That's just kind of silly to me. But I, I think I think she's found her new purpose, and her mm-hmm. her uh, reason is to um, stay in Oklahoma. Well, either way, it's it's kind of open to interpretation, I think. But you you might be right. You're probably right about this. Um, let's now. There's a mid credit scene, the final episode, and in the mid credit scene, Fisk is is watching. Uh, he's watching with great interest the, a news story about the New York uh, mayoral election and the race, and you know, in the the <laughs> broadcasters are saying, "Oh, we." We need a like a real fighter, a real dark horse could win this. And then you could you could see like the wheels turning mm-hmm. that he's gonna run for mayor and 
I would, I would assume eventually become the mayor of New York city. So what are you, what's your take on that? This is the repeat. This is a, again, if you watch daredevil, you would know that Fisk has already done this already. Um, he, he, in either season one or season two, I can't remember of daredevil. He was running for mayor and he, he had the race fixed to where he was elected, but then it was, uh, determined that he, he fixed the race and therefore he went to jail. So, um, the fact that he's going to try this all over again, and if this is what's going to play out in Daredevil, uh, born again, I mean, you know, Matt Murdock, AKA Daredevil is going to be all over this because it's, it's a story that's already been told once before. And he, yeah, he was well liked because he was just like your regular dude who wasn't corrupted by politics. And so quote, quote unquote corrupted. But, um, yeah, I, I can't believe they're actually going to go with that storyline all over again. I mean, shows born again. So, well, I mean, it, it's curious. I'm, I'm now really interested to hear what the actual plot line is supposed to be of, of the new daredevil series, because I don't think there's a way that they could try to, um, make it where it's like, Oh, well, this is preceding the events of daredevil. Right. And it can't because she's encountered Daredevil. He, Kingpin, Fisk, whatever, made that known when she was talking to him at his apartment, saying, like, none of my people have been able to take him head on like you have. So, like, the existence of him is already known, and Kingpin already doesn't like Daredevil for various reasons. So um, there's no way you can make that, like, like, I don't think you can go and retcon that by any means. So... I don't know, but it's it's a storyline that he it was his storyline already once before right. in Daredevil. So I just I'm I'm a little confused why they're going that route again. I'm glad I got your perspective because I've only watched the first like eight to ten episodes of Daredevil, the first season. I've never and I I do plan on watching it, finishing it before uh Born Again comes out. But that yeah. is interesting that they're kind of rehashing a story that was in the the Netflix series. Uh yeah, I I I don't understand why because I think the events that like Maya and, and daredevil to play supposedly happened like maybe during the blip. So like some people, you know, that were blipped out in New York were not daredevil or Maya or Kingpin, but um, yeah, I don't know how they're going to make that work because again, it's a storyline that's already been told once before. So I don't know how the, the people of New York are going to respond to Wilson Fisk rerunning for mayor of New York. Like that's, that's, that's wild to me. Interesting. Well, they definitely with the this mid credit scene, it definitely points to the Daredevil series. So that's yeah, that's what um, is you know they're looking ahead to. But as far as you know, Marvel this year's you know kind of a quieter year than the previous one. You've only got one movie. Deadpool three comes out in July. Yay! And then you've got some Disney Plus series, but but you know you've got. They're mostly animated. You have Agatha Darkhold Diaries, which is coming out at some point this year. You have X-Men 97, which is animated. You have Your Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, also animated, and Eyes of Wakanda animated. So mm-hmm. this this uh, Kingpin storyline won't be continued for a couple of years, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's get final thoughts on Echo. What did you, like, in relation to other series or just kind of like what's your takeaways from this series? I think this was still a decent start for a standalone character series. I, I, I mean, granted, yes, 
she was introduced to the MCU in Hawkeye, but I think the fact that they decided to carry on with her story and give her like more substance and to show representation on, on many fronts, of course, with, you know, her being uh, deaf, uh, an amputee, uh, also having a native American uh, background. I think, I think hitting all those, all those points was really, really well done. Once again, I, I love the fact that Disney and, and Marvel Studios reached out to the Choctaw Nation to make sure that everything was well represented. And I, I think everything was done extremely well. It, was, uh, it wasn't like in poor taste. So um, yeah, I, I, I think Alakwa just like killed it. I, I, love, I love seeing her in action. I definitely love seeing her fight with, with Charlie Cox. I just realized both of them have the same last name. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that's that's kind of fun. No relations, probably. That's actually what she said to him when they first met. She said that we have the she have the, we have the same last name. So yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. So I I actually can't wait to see when Assembled comes out for uh, Echo because I think seeing the behind the scenes stuff um, of just how they they made this whole series, however short it may be, it's going to be fascinating to me. I, I really I really did enjoy the series for what it was. Um, I wouldn't be mad if they came out with a season two, honestly, even if it's yeah. a revisit with Kingpin and he's still pissed and still trying to get to her or there's another big bad somewhere in Oklahoma. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. how. Yeah. It, it, it might just live and be done, but I, I enjoyed it. I overall really did enjoy it. I think it's probably done, but I also think that like Marvel's plans, especially with Disney plus are very much up in the air. So mm-hmm. it's not sure. clear what's you know what they would do with this property, but I I enjoyed this series very much. And I think Yasinia has a great kind of like final yeah. thoughts for it. She does. She says interesting series. I don't like binge watching. Would like a weekly release. I enjoyed the character actors uh, surrounding Maya. Wish I had more time with them. I agree, and yeah. I just wish that some of the stuff was more fleshed out. The Bonnie and Maya stuff should have been more important. Yeah. And I feel like if you had more time, that would have been. Um, but all in all, I thought it was a cool series. I thought the ASL stuff was really interesting to see, to have that kind of character and to see that perspective. And honestly, like I was like, maybe I should like learn ASL because I, I thought it was like a kind of a cool like way to communicate with people, you know? So uh, it is, especially when um, you're like me and you don't want other people to know what you're saying um, yeah. and you don't speak another language fluently. That's just another way of uh, <laughs> that's another way of getting your point across. Um uh, one thing, Kate, uh, Kate, our friend, um, she she knows ASL to a degree. So, hey, yeah, you might cool. be able to pick up some things from her. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Well, Brittany, now that everyone knows what we think about this, about Echo, about the series, we want to know what you think about it. And how can people let us know what they think about Echo? Well, just like Nick and Claire did all the way from the UK and Yesenia here, they joined us in the chat. They they asked questions. They shared with us their thoughts about Echo, the series. Um, and we talked about a lot of things, y'all. It's not just about the show, but like the different release of, of all episodes at once. Um, the, the fact that this is supposed to be uh, the first of many for Marvel Spotlight. We talked about a lot of things here. So join us for our live chats. Anytime that we have a live stream, we'd love to interact with y'all and get your thoughts and answer your questions. Um, but also don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're still on the road to 300 subscribers. Didn't hit that at the end of 2023, but hey, we're still here. We're still kicking. Help and grow our audience by hitting that subscribe button. 
hitting that like button as well if you enjoyed this pod review and if you enjoyed Echo, the miniseries on Disney Plus, and hit that notification bell. That way you know the next time we'll be live. But also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Watchers Basement. We also want you to use the hashtag Watchers Basement when tagging us in memes, articles, uh, things that you want us to check out. We'll be sure to do so, but use hashtag Watchers Basement. And lastly, while we do mostly video podcasting, you can check out our audio podcast available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe and be sure to give us a five-star rating. Thank you, Brittany. I appreciate it. So for Brittany, I'm Justin saying thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Have a great rest of your day. So thank you for watching. (laughs) 